Good morning. How's everybody doing out there? Good. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. Normally you'll see Sean Myers, who's the teaching pastor, lead pastor up here. But from time to time, I'll step in and teach. And Sean is in our Start Here class teaching that this week. And so you have to deal with me this morning. Um, If you're new, welcome. Redemption is one church with 10 different congregations. We believe that all of life is all for Jesus. And the best way to get connected to us is to fill out a connect form if you're new. You can do that one of two ways. You can go out to the Connect desk and write out a Connect card, or you can text the word Connect to this number here on the screen, 623-850-4690. And that'll give you a bunch of different options. Um, The best way to stay connected to the body, if you've been coming for a little while, is to get plugged into a redemption community. That is where we eat together, we study the Bible together, we serve together. We do life in the midst of different living rooms throughout the West Valley. Um, The way to get plugged into an RC or Redemption Community, if you're not already, is to go through the Start Here class. And so all of that information is at the Connect Desk. Um, The Start Here class is a three-week class that we do on Sunday mornings that teaches a little bit about who we are, our theology, what the expectations are, and then what we're trying to do in the sense of building healthy disciples that would walk with Jesus. And so that's how you get plugged into a Redemption Community if you're new. Again, all that information is out at the Connect Desk if you're curious about that. Um, Let me just give you one quick announcement. We've announced this before, but on December 2nd, which is a Saturday, we're going to be in this room um, for one night of singing and recording that singing and talking about adoption. God's heart for adoption, his heart for foster care. We're going to talk about what that is. We're going to raise funds for that, and we're going to sing the songs we normally sing throughout the week, and we're going to record them so we have them. So it's going to be a really, really cool night. We've let you know about that already. If you're not already signed up and you want to come to that, you need to sign up because we only have so many chairs in this auditorium. We're only doing one service, and so um, almost half of the registrations are already full, so you need a ticket to get in. Just You don't have to pay for it, but just so we can count seats as well as the child care option is almost all the way full. So if you're thinking about coming to that and you haven't already registered, please do that quickly, even this week, so we can know how many people will be in the building for that night. It's going to be a really, really cool night together. Um, Let me pray for us, and we will jump into our text for this morning. Um, Father, thanks for being good to us. I pray that your spirit would speak to us in the midst of what you have written down in your word, um, that we would be different as we leave, that we would be changed, that you would change our hearts, that you would change our speech, you may more reflective of you, that we would glorify you in all that we do. We love you, we trust you, and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, if you are new coming, we have been in the book of Proverbs. Historically, we walk through books of the Bible here at Redemption Peoria, where we take a book and we take it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and walk through it in that manner. But Proverbs is a little bit different because it kind of affords us the opportunity to teach topically, which again, we don't do very often, but this is our best version of that. And so we talked the first time we had Proverbs, we talked about wisdom and chapters one through nine. We specifically looked at chapter eight and how God personifies wisdom in his word in the book of Proverbs, talks about that we have been um, confused and wisdom is calling out to us. And so we decided to name this series Wisdom in Dizzying Times. 
Because what happened in Genesis chapter 3, because of sin, we are all disoriented and dizzy coming out of the womb. We think we're walking one way, but we're actually walking crooked. And what wisdom does, what God's attribute of wisdom does, is comes alongside us and grabs us by the shoulder and says, no, 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 actually, this is the right way to live. This is the right way. You're going this way, but let me help correct where you're going. And so we looked specifically at that wisdom in chapters 1 through 9, and then chapters 10 through 31, the rest of the book of Proverbs, it's these um, advice or these sayings from wisdom saying, listen, you're talking about money. Let me help course correct you. You think it's this way. The world's wisdom would say it's this way. It's actually this way in my economy, in God's economy. And so we looked at wisdom, and we built these topics off of wisdom. And so we looked at anger. What does God's wisdom have to say about anger and being angry? What about lust? We looked at last week. We're going to talk about money in a couple weeks. But today we're going to focus on what does wisdom have to say about our words, our speech, our tongue? What comes out of our mouth? And where do we need to be corrected by God's word and by wisdom with how we use our speech. Words are powerful. And maybe you think that we're only going to talk about the negative part of words, of what has come out of your mouth that has hurt people. We are going to talk about that. But I just want us to recognize for a minute that words are powerful. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says that there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Even... Stop and think for a second, like, we have the ability to speak as humans. There's no other part of creation that God made that gave that ability. And we have the opportunity to imitate the image of God as we speak to each other. God, at the very, very beginning, when he decided to create the trees and the mountains and the seas and everything in it, he didn't just think it and it happened. He could have snapped his fingers and it happened. What does he do? The Bible says he speaks. And creation happens. Our words are extremely powerful. And we need to be reminded of how we need to use them well to glorify God this morning. Um, one of the things that I used to do in my old job being on staff in a missionary organization is I would have the opportunity about once a year to teach public speaking, and some the art of communication, and I loved it. I loved the opportunity to do that because what I realized really, really quickly in studying communication is that you never arrive. Like, you can always get better in communication. You can always figure out how to say it differently, say it better. Like, there's no ending point. And so for us, we need to be reminded that every single person in the seat in here has something to learn this morning from wisdom, from God's word, when it comes to our speech. Because you might think, like, listen, I, 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 the anger one, I needed to hear that, right? The lust one, I really needed to hear. The words, the words one, I don't, I feel pretty good about that. Like, I don't cuss out my neighbor, and I'm kind of nice to people, and like, you need to hear this this morning. Because even if you feel like you don't speak death, there's always a better way we can learn how to speak life. We can always be more intentional with what comes out of our mouth. And what we want to do this morning is let wisdom hold the mirror up to our heart as we look at God's word to say, what's really going on at a heart level with why you would say that? Why does that come out of 
your mouth. We can all learn this morning, every single one of us. And again, the book of Proverbs is broken down category. It's got chapters 1 through 9 that talk about wisdom and the personification of wisdom. And then chapters 10 through 31, the rest of the book, gives these phrases or this advice or this correction of how to live life well and according to God and his wisdom. Those chapters 10 through 31, do you know how many times your tongue or your speech or what you say comes out of your mouth in those chapters 10 through 31? Every single chapter talks about your tongue in 10 through 31. If you look at all of Proverbs, the, 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 the phrase speech or tongue or talk, it comes out 130 verses. So we could just come up, I could just say, let's just, let's roll all the verses. Because Proverbs talks all about what we say with our words. But what I want to do today, I want to anchor our, uh, our time in one text, Proverbs twelve eighteen that we talked about. So if you don't already have a Bible, take out your Bible, open it up, and we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. I'm going to keep coming back to this throughout our time together, but also I'm going to begin to offshoot at other parts of Proverbs. So some of them will be on the screen, some of them will not, but we're going to be doing a lot of flipping in the book of Proverbs when it has to um, teach us about how we are going to speak because it talks a lot about that. So let's read it again. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And what I want to do with this verse, I want to look at the first part of it, the negative part of what comes out of our mouth, and then I want to look at the positive part that comes out of our mouth. So the first half, the negative. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. The word rash here in the original language in Hebrew is the word bata. It's spelled B-A-T-A. It's actually where we get the root word of babble. And you know what babble is, right? If you've seen a little baby, they're kind of working out their vocal cords. They're not really talking about anything. They're just kind of talking. You know, they're not really intentionally thinking about what they're saying. They're just saying something to say something. And that's where we get this root word for rash, but then you combine it, you combine that babble, thoughtless talk, with anger. And that is where we get this word, this word rash in this text. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust. And so your words are laced with venom. They're not thoughtful. They're quick. They're hurtful. They're angry. And this idea of sword thrusts is this idea that the, the words go deep under the surface. They cut deep. Because we all have in here, we've got scars on our bodies from hurting ourselves some way. You skinned up your knee, there's a scar. I've, uh, I broke my wrist about 10 years ago, and I have this big scar on my wrist. And I can tell you the story. We could sit down, and I could talk about what happened, and we can laugh about it, and um, even though it was painful at the time, I can do that with scars. We can do that with scars on our body, but the scars that happen to us in our heart with what people have said, we don't, we don't talk about that all the time. We don't say, hey, I've got a funny story for you. Let me tell you what this person said, and it really, really hurt me. We don't, we don't do that. right? The phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but 
words will never hurt me. That started in the 1800s in the schoolyards to help kids say, listen, don't worry about what he said about you. And so, you know, if he was going to hurt you and break your bone, that's something to worry about. But if he says something, just let it go. That's not true. Words do hurt us. They scar us. I've got a friend that I worked with. She was my coworker years ago. And one of the things we would do as a staff is we would get to hear each other's life stories. You know, where you grew up, what it was like. And we sat and we'd take about an hour at a time for a one-person story. And this gal, who was about 35 at the time, she stood up in front of us and she started unpacking some of her story. And at the very beginning, she was eight years old. And she's told this story. She was a swimmer, and she was at swim practice, and she's standing there at swim practice, and she kind of has a crush on the high school volunteer swim coach, and so she kind of has butterflies and, uh, you know, is trying to be around him all the time. And so she stands next to him one time, and this is just one practice. He walks by her, and he just looks at her, and he pokes her in the stomach, and he says, pudgy tummy. And he's just being playful. He's just, you know, he's a high school kid. He doesn't know what he's doing, right? He's just being, and he walks away. This woman was 35, and she's telling us this story with tears in her eyes because that one comment was like a sword thrust to her heart. It changed the way she viewed herself forever. When she looked in the mirror, she would hear that comment going time and time again that this one person just said haphazardly. He wasn't trying to be mean. So we all have those stories within us, that words that have been damaging to our soul. I was meeting with one guy even this week in our congregation. We're talking about our stories, and he shared something that people said in high school that's still, man, that's still hard to hear. And so our words can be extremely hurtful, even if we're not trying to make them hurtful. Why do we use rash words, this angry babble that comes out of our mouth? If you have kids in here and you're not aware, if they're in Redemption Kids right now, what we do is we parallel what is taught up front here to what they are learning back there. So when you go home, you can have a conversation about, hey, what did you learn? Hey, I learned about this. I learned about this as well, which is really, really cool. Except like last week when we were learning about lust. I'm not sure what they were doing in there. Um, I didn't even ask, but today they're learning about words and what they're doing is they're making paper airplanes and they're flying around the classroom because they're talking about what flies out of your mouth that doesn't need to fly out of your mouth. What are the words that we use that are hurtful to people, even when we're not trying to hurt them? Why do we do that? I want to suggest that most of the time our rash words come out of our mouth. They fly out of our mouth because we're actually trying to protect ourselves. We're trying to protect ourselves. And we see it even in the very beginning with words being used in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, the man and woman sin. They disobey God and now there's consequences. God shows up on the scene. He asks the question, Adam, where are are you? It's like, God knows where he is. It's like when my kids were real little, and we used to play hide and seek, and they'd be like under a table, like real loud, and just, you know, where, where is he? I don't know where he is. It's like, God knows exactly where Adam is, but he's asking the question to engage 
with him in a relational context. And what does Adam say? What are the words that come out of his mouth in Genesis chapter 3? First time words are uttered by a human after sin. He says, I was hiding. I was scared. I was self-protecting. And then God continues the dialogue and says, well, did you disobey me? Did you eat what I told you not to eat? What are his answers there? Well, it's it's the woman you gave me, right? So another level of self-protection with his words because he's nervous, he's scared. He feels shame and guilt because of sin. And because we have sin in our lives, we feel shame and guilt. And we spit out words to protect ourselves. Proverbs 18, verse 2, says that a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. It's a self-protection. I don't don't want to hear what you have to say. Let me just tell you my side of the story. When I first saw this video that I'm going to show in a minute, it came out a couple years ago on YouTube. It got pretty popular. It's about this boy. His name's Matthew. He's three years old. And he's at his grandma's house with his mom, and he asks his mom for cupcakes for dinner. It's a total normal question for a three-year-old, and his mom totally says, no, you're not having cupcakes for dinner. So he goes behind her back and goes to his grandma and asks for cupcakes in Spanish because the mom doesn't know Spanish, clearly, even though she does, right? This is his three-year-old brain working. So he asks for cupcakes in Spanish. This happens all the time at my in-law's house. I say, we can't do this. And then they say, well, I'm going to go ask my mom and pop up. I said, no, you're going to get caught. And this is exactly what happens to Matthew. He gets caught, and his mom, her name is Linda, she films his reaction when she's saying, listen, what happened? What did you do? Think of Proverbs 18, chapter 2. A fool takes no pleasure in his understanding, but only expressing his own opinion when you watch this clip. Like, I'm, listen to me, listen to me. Like, like I do this all the time. And if I go out at the, at the house with the door, Matthew has his toys. And then Matthew has all his toys. Okay, but I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Like, everything they do at this house, they can't trust everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. Linda, but listen to me. Look at If you do something, if you get that out, that bird thing off, you're going to break it. Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot. No, Linda, no Linda, I'm. Li- lick it, lick it. You're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Listen to me now. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes. And you try to get cupcakes and you try to ask grandma. Linda, Didn't you? Linda, lick it, lick it, lick it. If we do something right out, just if we, if we get close up, you can't even get them. You're going to burn your butt. What's going to burn your butt? Linda. You and Kevin don't listen. So I have to give both of you guys pop pals in your butt. But Linda, but grandma. But Grandpa's going to give me peppers in the butt. No, he's not. Yeah. I have to. You want? You don't want me to hit Kevin, or you don't want him to spank you? No. Why? Because anybody oh, wants to spank me. Then I have to spank Kevin. But he's, still, but he's my little pop-ups. He's your little pop-ups, but he doesn't listen. But Linda, honey, honey, look at, look at this. 
I'm not breaking anything down. I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot Linda, have cupcakes Linda, for Linda, dinner. Linda, Linda, like this thing, I never belong to you. Anything, you can get anything and anything and anything. I'm done arguing with you. I'm done arguing with you. You need to listen to the things that I say because I'm the mom and I'm the Linda, adult. Linda, listen to me. All the time to get them. I'm done arguing with you. Linda, I'm done arguing with you. Oh, my goodness. Oh. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his own opinion. That's like every argument I ever have with people, right? Like, well, no, 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 let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. That's like arguments I have with God. God's like, hey, wait, 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 I don't think you heard, I don't think, uh, let, me, let me help you, let me help you understand. We need to listen more before we speak, before we use our words and think about how we are self-protecting with our words, just like Matthew is protecting himself because he got caught. Why do we use our rash words, this angry babble that comes, it flies out of our mouth, we want to protect ourselves. How do we do that? I'm going to give you a couple things that we do. We use hurtful words. Sometimes we're just mean to people, right? And all these things I'm going to suggest, you learn them along the way at some point in your life, in your development as a human. You thought, man, I used this harmful thing and it really hurt, but it got a lot like, oh, I'm going to keep using that, right? So how are our rash words like sword thrust? We use mean and hateful words. We gossip and we slander, right? And we do this one. Real sneaky like in the church, right? Like, did you did you hear? Alex, did you hear about Charles over there? Like, we really need to pray for him. I mean, that brother needs prayer because what happened to him? Uh, I don't know if you heard. Let me tell you what happened. We do this kind of stuff all the time. We're in the hallways and we're whispering to each other. Oh, did you, did you see? Like a good litmus test for a gossip is would you say the exact same thing if that person was right next to you? At least for me, that's when I start to go. Because sometimes I want to say, sometimes people need to be informed. But do I need to say it that way? Would I feel comfortable if that person walked into the room at the same time with the words that are coming out of my mouth? The reason we gossip is because we're putting somebody else down. And when we put somebody else down, we're raised up. We feel better about ourselves. Well, I would never do what he did. And so... We have bad things that come out of our mouths. God is clear not to gossip. He's clear not to say hurtful words. Another way we use negative speech is we lie. Again, sometimes, maybe growing up, maybe you lied and you got away with it. And so that's a tactic you have implored in your life. And sometimes we just lie straight up. Proverbs 19.5, it's not on the screen, but it says, A false word will not go unpunished. He who breathes out lies will not escape. You may have thought you escaped because there wasn't a consequences, but God is saying you're not going to escape from lying. So sometimes we lie straight up. Sometimes we lie real sneaky like exaggeration. 
You know what I mean? Like if somebody, you're in a conversation with somebody and you're using words, and all of a sudden they ask you a question like, how, how was the quarter for you this, this year? How were the sales numbers? And, you know, it was really like 20, 23, and you're like, it was good. Yeah, it was, it was like 25. It's like 25. Um, you know, how's Susie doing school? I heard she got pretty good grades. Um, yeah, all, all A's actually. She, like we, we just naturally round up, don't we? I do this. I get this question all the time. How many people go to Redemption Peoria now? How many people are at your church? You know what I automatically think? I see the numbers every week. I want to round up. Why do I do that? Nobody cares. The people asking me don't care if it's five less, but I want to I pad the stats. I want to make myself feel better about my answer. And Augustine talks about this when he talks about sin. He talks about because of sin, we all have a curvature inward. Right? Because of the brokenness of what happens, we all care about ourselves, self-protect, and we want to make ourselves feel better because my identity is tied to how many people come to the church. Or if my kid does well in his grades or my sales numbers. And so we round up. And that's exaggeration and that's lying. The only time we don't round up is when we spend money. Right? I'll come back from Home Depot and my wife's like, how much did you spend? And maybe I spent $999.99 and I'll be like, I sp- it's about 90 You know, still in that 90 category. Like I'll round down if I spend money, but in every other category I'm rounding up to make myself feel better. And the Bible is saying that is not wise to speak that way. But we have conditioned our mouths to do that, to make ourselves feel better, to self-protect and defend ourselves. Another way that we use language that the Bible would say don't do this is sometimes we use humor to self-protect. I grew up in a family where sarcasm was like a love language, and um, it sometimes was really funny, and sometimes it was really hurtful, and sometimes I will say things to get a laugh out of other people in the room at the expense of one person. And that's not right. Wisdom is saying that is not okay to do. We do this in social media. We could have a whole sermon on social media and how to engage it and how to act, how to say nice things. In social media, are you building people up with your comments? Are you just tearing them down? How do you engage that space? I'm not against social media, but I do think because it's a space where where it's always quick. You have to answer quickly. What's happening now? And that's how you kind of gauge if you're staying in the stream of the conversation. And wisdom is saying, slow down. Why do you have to say that? Why do you have to post that right now? Have you thought about all the parties involved that might hear that? And I worked with athletes for 16 years. And the things that people would say about athletes on social media, I just couldn't believe it. These are actual people. I know they don't seem like people, the, the, the ones writing it, but like, how are you going to say they're not a human because they didn't score 20 points? But people don't think about that. It's just this sphere that they're in there by themselves, and they use these rash words, and they're like sword thrusts to people. And you start thinking through these categories of hurtful words or gossip or slander, of lying, exaggerating, humor. And humor is one that's um, it's tricky. This happened last night in our house. 
happened last night. Looking at my son, that's why I'm doing this. This happened last night. We're watching a movie. This happens often, just not last night. But somebody will say something in the house. They'll say, da, 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 da. and I'll say, what did you say? Wait, what did you Ah, uh, just joking. Just joking. Just joking, man. I was just joking. I, I was just joking. Look at what Proverbs 26 says about this. Proverbs 26, 18. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. Right? So that's not cute to do. The Bible is saying if you're doing that, if you're lying and you're saying, well, it wasn't really, I'm just joking. Like, that's like throwing death. And we don't want to throw death in our house. So let's not do that. Because you can kind of get away with it. All of these things, you can get away. Oh, it's just this little white lie. It's no big deal. It's a, oh, well, I was just joking. It's, and God is saying no. Wisdom is saying, the, the world's wisdom would say, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about that. And God is correcting our thinking and saying no. Don't use your words that way. All of these areas, I've continued to have this prayer from Psalm 141.3 on my heart and my mind constantly with this issue with my words. And it says this, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard. Oh, Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. And I've had to pray that multiple times because I'll be in a meeting or a setting and I'll want to say something that's funny or it's mean or whatever. I want to self-protect. And I feel like God is like, uh -uh." and he puts a guard over my mouth for the good of everybody in the room. I need to continually pray that constantly that God would be doing that. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We talked about rash words and sword thrust, but what about the tongue of the wise that brings healing? How does positive talk that comes out of our mouth actually bring healing? Well, the opposite of kind of angry babble that's self-focused would be intentional, other-focused words. And again, I think the problem a lot of times is we're not thinking about what we say. We just don't think as a society anymore. And we need to stop and we need to think before we speak. We need to be intentional with our words. And do you believe that your words can actually bring life to other people? Science is clear on this, even from a non-Christian worldview. When you start looking at the brain... There's a lot of study on positive and negative words. Look at this quote from Words Can Change Your Brain, which is a book by Newberg and Waldman. It says this, they're scientists. It says, positive words can alter the expression of the genes, propel the motivational centers of the brain into action, and build resiliency. In comparison with good words, angry words send alarm messages to the brain, and they partially shut down the logic and reasoning centers located in the frontal lobes. And so even science recognizes that a positive word will actually be helpful for your brain chemistry, and a negative word will do the reverse of that. So what does it look like for us to have a wise tongue and say words that would bring healing? I want to suggest a couple things for us. The first is to use kind words. To use kind words, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, 
this. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in a man's heart brings him down, but a good word makes him glad. That translation of the word good in the original language, this is what it encompasses. It talks about kind and personal, pleasant and sweet, timely and thoughtful. All go into that word of a good word. Are your words kind to people? Are they pleasant? Are they timely? Are they thoughtful? Are you thinking about what you're going to say before you say it? How else, besides kind words, I think another way we can use our words to bring healing is to encourage people. To encourage people. Now, those of you that know my wife, she is like the most encouraging person on the planet. She just, the way God's wired her, she has positivity and developer. She's always seeing the best in people. I am not like that at all. I am analytical. Like, I'm looking for the problem, usually. And so God has taught me, even with this issue of encouraging other people, I'm not talking about just blowing smoke. Like if you walk up to somebody, you're trying to, oh, I'm trying to encourage you. And, well, you look, really, you look really great. I like those glasses. And inside you're like, I hate those glasses. That's lying. Don't do that. That's not the type of encouragement I'm talking about. And so for me, this was really, really big because for a lot of the times, I just want to pick out the wrong thing in other people. And again, it's another way to self-protect. But what I started to realize was like, this person is created in God's image. And you're telling me I can't find one thing that I can bring out that's a reflection of who God is in this person? I can't say one thing to encourage what I see in them that reflects God? We can encourage people because if you're like me, I'll think something. I'll think, man, Luke has got an awesome beard. And you do. I mean that, Luke. That thing is for real. Look like Uncle Jesse from Duke's Hazard. It's really great. You need to meet Luke if you haven't yet. But I won't say that. I'll just think it. Why won't I take the next step of thoughtful, hey, man, I really like that about you. People need to hear that because they're not. They're not hearing that. We have the opportunity to encourage people. Again, not in a phony way, but as you look at them and you're thoughtful and you think, man, where do I see God show up in their life with the way they're wired and how they work? And I want to encourage that in them. So how we can use our words to bring healing is to be kind, to be encouraging. The next one I want to talk about is asking questions. I think we can use our words to ask good questions to people. And I think that actually brings healing. And when you look at the Gospels, you see, if you just do a study on the Gospels and how Jesus handles questions. He gets asked in the Gospels, the four books of the New Testament, 183 questions. 183 questions get asked of him. He only responds from, there's a couple different studies, but the only response about hundred or um, um, eight times directly to those questions. 183 come at him. He only answers about eight of them directly. Jesus asks 307 questions in the gospel, in all four gospels. He's constantly asking questions. Even when questions come at him, you'll see him a ton. He flips it and he asks a question back. Because why? Because Jesus cares about the hearts. Do you ask questions in your words? Do you think? Are you thoughtful? That's going to force you to be thoughtful in your speech. 
ask good questions of people. It shows that you care about them. And don't just ask and not listen. Actually ask and engage and listen to people. It's a way we can use our tongue to bring healing to other people. So ask, uh, engage in kind words, encourage people, ask questions. And then the last one I want to talk about uh, with how we can use our speech to bring healing is a, is a little bit different. It's pocketed in, in the issue of suffering is um, silence. Silence. Because sometimes the best thing to say is actually nothing. Right? And sometimes we want to use our words to bring healing or wisdom. When somebody's hurting, we want to say, Romans 8, 28, God works all things. for the, And he does, but that might not be the right time to say that to somebody. Look at how it happens in the book of Job, Job chapter 2. Job has these friends, and they start really, really well. They end terribly, if you've read the book. Job is going through this tragic time in his life. Look at what happens when his friends interact with him and how they use their words In this scene, Job chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says this, And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept. So the first thing they do with their voices, they see their friend and he is in disarray. And they weep with him, they lament with him, they cry with him. Do you use your voice, your words to do that? And then look what happens. They tear their robes. They sprinkle out dust in their heads towards heaven as a way to lament. And then look what happens in verse 13. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw his suffering was very great. When I get the phone call, whether it's my friend, his first baby has cancer, he finds out. I get the phone call. My other really good friend, his brother-in-law just dies and they're at the hospital tragically. When I go and I see them, I sit with them and we cry and I don't say anything. There's nothing to say in that moment. Words would not bring healing in that moment. They just need me to be with them, just sit with them, be in their presence and be quiet. We're trying to use our words that they would be wise and bring healing. We need to be kind to people. Is what's coming out of your mouth kind to people? Is it encouraging to people? Do you use words of encouragement? Do you ask good questions in your interactions, in your dialogue with people? And then when necessary, do you just not say anything? And do you just be quiet? Proverbs 12, 18, there's one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And we can do all this stuff. You can um, realize that you need to count to five before you say anything, or you could say, well, I'm going to do one encouraging word a day, and I'm not saying that stuff's bad. You can do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter unless your heart is right. It's really below the surface. It's what really matters. And Jesus calls that out and The Gospel of Matthew in chapter 12, verse 34, he says, out of the abundance, the heart speaks. So if you're really honest with yourself at a heart level, do you see patterns of language that we talked about? Hurtful words, gossip, slander, lying, exaggeration, sarcasm. If you feel like, no, I I got all those, I'm good. Just open your Bible to James chapter 3, verse 8, because he says, no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil full of deadly poison. So we all have this issue, but it's not necessarily actually a speech issue. It's actually a heart issue. 
Like God has to be the one that reaches and changes the way you think. He has to change your heart because out of the heart is what comes out of your mouth. And so we have to ask God to change our hearts. If we want to have less negative speech, more positive speech, if we want to um, have our tongue bring life and not death, we need God to change our hearts. And men and women, the only way he changes our hearts is through the gospel. That is it, what Jesus has done on the cross, and you accepting that, that's the only way your heart can get changed. You can trick yourself, you can pretend, but if you don't encounter Jesus in a real way, and what he's done on the cross, you're not going to be any different. We need God to make that change within us. We need his spirit to change our hearts. And when God begins to transform your heart, and you start to see that your identity is actually in him, your security is in him as adopted child of his because of that decision, you start to live differently. You start to rest in that identity. You don't have to self-protect with your words anymore. I don't have to defend myself anymore. I don't have to make other people laugh anymore because my security is a child of God for what he has done for me. And that's freeing. That's a different way to live. Now I don't have to use this self-protection, this shield of my words to make myself feel better because of who Jesus is and who he's made me. Now I can be freed up to actually speak words of life to other people. I don't have to be defending myself all the time. And Jesus models this perfectly for us as we read the Gospels. He's always about his father's business. And in Proverbs chapter 30, if you haven't, um, flip, flip there if you have a Bible open. Proverbs, it's not on the screen, but Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, I think is worth actually looking at if you have a Bible in front of you, because I don't have it on the screen. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, listen to what it says. It says, every word of God proves true. It's the first half of the verse. Every word of God proves true. God cannot lie. It's not in his essence. Everything he says is true. Back half of the verse says this. And he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He's a shield to those who take reference in him. So we're talking about getting stabbed. And this verse is saying God is actually a shield. He can shield you from those words that hurt you. If we take refuge in him, and we see it in the Gospels with Jesus, he's constantly taking refuge in the Father. We should go this way. Actually, my Father says we should go this way. I'm about his business. We're actually going to do this. And if anybody had the right to defend himself verbally with his words, it's Jesus. Right? Have you ever been wrongly accused? Has somebody come at you and said, hey, I heard this about and you, and you know it's wrong. It's not, you're not even shading. You're just like, listen. That's not true, and you want to rise up and defend yourself. If anybody had the right to do that in human history, it's Jesus. He gets betrayed, arrested. He's in front of the court, and they're saying, listen, defend yourself. Jesus is about his father's business. Look at what he says. I love this, 1 Peter chapter 2, as we kind of close this out. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. Look at how Peter articulates how Jesus uses his words. It says, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. 
men and women, we can live that way. If you are following Jesus and his spirit lives in you, you can entrust yourself to him who judges justly. You don't have to defend yourself with your words, but you can use your words to actually speak life to people. My hope is that God would change our hearts to believe that truth, that we're more in him and we don't have to defend ourselves so that we can speak life to other people. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the truth of the gospel. Thanks that you are continually working in our hearts. We don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to prove our identity with our words. God, but we can rest in you and what you've done in the cross. And our inheritance is in that and nothing else. And so I pray you would help us be reminded of that. And through that, that would change the way We use our words. It would change the way we interact with people, that we would love people more. We would ask good questions. We would be encouraging to others, that we would love others well. And when we want to defend, when the rashness of our words wants to come to the surface and fly out of our mouth, that you would set a guard, O Lord, over our mouth, a gate over our lips, that you would protect us from hurtful things that we say and do because of our sin in our life. We need you for that, Jesus. We want to trust you. We love you. It's only because of what your son has done on the cross that we can believe that truth. We pray this in your son's name.